Well, thanks, Chris. It's, it, it's actually, but I really appreciate it. It's actually not a, not a big deal. Uh, it's actually, I don't care, wherever there's two or three gathered in his name, there he is in his midst. So it doesn't matter how many. I think we can get this size thing going, which I, which I think really st- uh, stinks. By the way, I'm just, you guys are so far away. I, I wish if I was in old school, I'd say, come forward, and then I'd be breaking all the rules. So. And I would like to be on the floor because I like being close. I was an old Young Life guy, so I would love to be close. So I want to start out by showing you two pictures. Because a picture says a thousand words. So there's two pictures. What you see here is two trees. It's a story of two trees. The one below looks powerful, looks strong. If you saw that standing straight up and you saw the other one standing straight up, you'd say, well, the, the one, the, one on the bottom is stronger, right? But the winds of life came and the one on the bottom was toppled. But the winds of life came to the second one. It looks weaker but it laughs in the face of the winds of life. What do we observe? The one on the bottom was not rooted. And the moment something hard came, it became unrooted. It fell over. The the one below is clearly rooted. Its roots run deep. The reason why I show you these pictures, I think as I talked earlier, this is the picture of people in the church today. This is the picture of people in life. We have a whole lot of people that are not deeply rooted or they're rooted in wrong things. They're rooted in their portfolios. They're rooted in their politics. They're rooted in their fill in the blank. You all have things you're rooted in that you know are not what should truly establish you. And, and, and if you're rooted in things that are not right, if you're rooted in things that aren't what are meant to root you, when the winds of life hit, you will fall over. You will not be sustained. We, we are right now in, in, in a cultural moment where we've got to get back to the core of what roots us. When you read the book of Acts, there are two books, two, and I'm not talking about Acts today, but if you read the book of Acts over 55 th- times, one orthodoxy, orthodoxy means belief, there are two orthodoxies mentioned. One's mentioned 55 times, one is mentioned over 85 times. These are the two core orthodoxies. The resurrection of Jesus and the infilling of his Holy Spirit. This is what we need to be rooted in. The resurrection of Jesus, and I, as a former atheist in college, got rooted in the resurrection of Jesus. And I got filled with his Holy Spirit, like I hope you all have, and that's what roots us. And then we get rooted in the love of God, which goes forth. If you're not rooted in those things, you're rooted in the wrong things. We've got to stay rooted in the right things so that we don't topple over when the storms of life hit. So today, I want to talk about this very uncomplicated idea that we must be rooted in. And you've been in a series talking about things that you as a church want to do. And today I'm going to talk about an idea that is so basic, so core. It is not profound, and yet it's the most profound thing. And, and, and if we stay rooted in this, it changes everything. And this idea that I'm going to talk about today is root, rooted in a question I heard from a young woman over 30 years ago when I had just come back to faith in Christ, and it changed the trajectory of my life. I'd come back from a Bible study in college on a Thursday night, and I was an atheist who had started going to church or going to a Bible study, I should say, and I would sneak off like Nicodemus at night to this Bible study. I'd throw my Bible in my backpack and sneak off. I was a fraternity president, social chairman, all that stuff. I was the popular kid that was trying to look popular. 
And I remember coming back from the Bible study, and none of my fraternity brothers knew that I was in this Bible study. And I'm getting it, and Thursday nights on our campus were, were party nights, and I was trying not to party anymore. And I remember getting a drink out of the water fountain on the second floor of our fraternity house, and it's dark down this hallway, which was the freshman hallway. And as I get a drink, I look down the hallway, and I see a lump of something at the end of the hallway. And because I was president of the fraternity, I thought I should investigate because I didn't want to be liable for anything. And I go walking down the hallway, midway down the hallway, I flip on the light switch, and I notice the lump is a young woman curled up in a ball. And I walk over and touch her shoulder, and she looks up at me with the bleary, drunken eyes. She had throw up coming out of her mouth on her chest. And she looked at me, and just kind of in a bleary, drunken state, said, would you like to have sex with me? And I pulled back, and I was like, whoa, no. And then she immediately got tears in her eyes and said, oh, why don't you love me? We'll pause right there. That question rocked me. It shocked me. Love you? What? That, what? And she was asking, I think, the question that all people everywhere throughout all history are asking. It's the deep question that we all want to know. Why won't you love me? Does somebody love me? Do you love me? And we shop our question around, right? It's, it's not a matter of if we crave love or if we need love. We were made by love by the living God. We were made for love by the living God who lived, died, and rose again. And we were made to love. That's why we were made, by, for, and to love. And yet we all shop our question around all over the place, right? It's not a matter of if we want love. It's where do we take that question? And the world is shopping the question everywhere. Again, whether it's you're, you're shopping it towards your success, your sports, your portfolio, your whatever you are, whatever you go after to find love. As Tim Keller says, the problem with most of us is that we, we've forsaken the primary love for secondary, thirdary, fourthary loves that weren't meant to give us love. Love is the core. Love is the key. And we throw the word love around like cheap suits, like cheap money. We, the same word we use for loving God and loving our spouse, we use for loving ice cream and pizza, right? Think about that. There's an old pathetic country song by Tom T. Hall Right? Like, if you know Tom T. Hall, but it's this old country song. I love little baby ducks, old pickup trucks, slow-moving trains and rain, and I love you too. Can you imagine being his wife or girlfriend writing that to you? Wait a minute. You love me the same as ducks and trucks and train and rain. That's, I got one word for you that rhymes with one of those. Pain. Sorry, you thought it was going to be the other one. But anyway, it's not. We, we need to lean in. Is that okay, Chris? Is that okay? Send Rob an email or Chris, one of those. We need to lean into the true love of the Father, and that's all that matters. And we're going to talk about today how to do that and why it's so important, and how you as a church are trying to do it. Would you guys stand with me? We're going to read a passage that you all know. You've heard it at weddings, you read it at weddings. And this is, it saddens me that this passage has been used as the wedding passage. But it's rooted in so much more. The Apostle Paul writes it to the church in Corinth. 
as if to say, he gets to this place in the, in the, past, in, in, in the letter to say, this is what matters most. At the end of chapter 12, he's like, stop bickering about all these other things. I'm going to show you the most excellent way. This is what matters most. I'm going to read this over you. and just I invite you to do something maybe. You can close your eyes. You can hold your hands. I just receive this as being spoken over you. Here's what the Apostle Paul writes. If I speak in the tongues of men or angels, but do not have love, I am only a resounding gong or a clanging cymbal. If I have the gift of prophecy and can fathom all mysteries and all knowledge, and if I have faith that can move mountains, but do not have love, I am nothing. If I give all I possess to the poor and give over my body to hardship that I may boast, but do not have love, I gain nothing. Love is patient. Love is kind. Love does not envy. Love does not boast. Love is not proud. It does not honor others. It is not self-seeking. It is not easily angered. It keeps no record of wrongs. Love does not delight in evil, but rejoices with the truth. It always protects. Love always trusts. Always hopes. Always perseveres. Love never fails. But where there are prophecies, they will cease. Where there are tongues, they will be stilled. Where there's knowledge, it will pass away. But we know in part, and we prophesy in part, but when completeness comes, what is in part disappears. When I was a child, I talked like a child. I thought like a child. I reasoned like a child. When I became a man, a woman, a person, an adult, I put the ways of childhood behind me. For now we see only a reflection as in a mirror. Then we shall see face to face. Now I know in part, then I shall know fully. Even as I am fully known, but these three remain. Faith, hope, and love. But the greatest of these is love. Amen. What did you see? What is Paul saying here? The first thing Paul is saying here is love is the biggest deal. Not just love from us, but love from the Father is the biggest deal. Right? He says if, if you have all the knowledge of mystery, all the, you know all the knowledge and mysteries of history, but you don't have love, it doesn't matter. If you do great deeds, you don't have love, it doesn't matter. If you spend lots of money to help people, but it's not rooted in Love, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter how great you are or no matter what you think you do. If it's not rooted in the love from the Father, it doesn't matter. There's no, no, nothing more important than true love from Jesus through us to the world. Now, some may say, what about truth? Matt, what about truth? truth? Truth is important. But truth not rooted in love is not truth. And love not rooted in truth isn't love either. They go hand in hand. Truth is love and love is truth. Love must be rooted in truth, and truth must be rooted in love. They go hand in hand. We have a lot of truth being spoken in our world together, not in a very loving way. And we have a, love being, a lot of love being spoken in our world that's not rooted in truth, that's not loving either. We must be rooted in the two together. A friend of mine, a young guy I'm uh, mentoring, is uh, up at OSU, and uh, he just called me the other day, and he said, I'm walking through OSU's campus, and there's the, the, the bullhorn guy. Anyone remember a bullhorn person on your college campus? In the love of God, shouting death and shouting, you're going to hell. I don't know why they all have a voice like this. And they tell him, you're going to hell. And he's just shouting and screaming people down. And, and my friend Malachi stops. And he said, Matt, I stopped because he thought, as we were meeting, you want me to love people. So he stopped. And he just started praying for the guy. And the guy with the bullhorn, what are you doing? You're going to hell. And Malachi just really calmly said, I love you, man, and I'm praying for you to know the love of Jesus. That's all he did. 
And all of a sudden, like 30 students stopped and gathered on him, and they started asking him questions about why he did that. It just took one message of love to repel the message of hate. This is what we're called to be about, to bring the love of the Father. Here's two things that love is and two things that love is not. Two things that love is and two things love is not. Love is not, first of all, a feeling. Love is not a feeling. Our culture wants to make it a feeling. I feel, I feel like I love feelings. Feelings are great. And and for 27 years, my wife's been teaching me how to feel, right? I've been learning how to feel, right? And, 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 but love is not a feeling. Let's pull back up that passage. If you look at it again, love is patient. How many times, how many of you feel like being patient? I have three kids. I'm like, I don't feel like being patient. I feel like killing you, right? I feel like, right? I feel like murder, Right? Come on, let's get an amen. Can I get an amen? Right? Like, if, you're, if you've got a girlfriend or boyfriend or spouse, you feel like crushing them sometimes. You don't feel. It's, patience is a decision. Kindness is a decision. And to not envy is a decision. How many of you guys ever feel envious? I just feel like, I just feel like not envying right now. No, no, you feel, you feel the feelings take over. And you have to decide not to boast. You have to decide not to dishonor others. You have to decide not to be self-seeking. These are all things we have to decide. They're not feelings. Here's the second thing. Love is not lust. Our culture has made love about sex. Our culture has made sex the feeling. Sex is this beautiful. We all know. If you're single, if you're married, you all know. Sex is a beautiful thing that God has designed and made for your good with your spouse. It's best with your spouse spouse. God who made it knows how it's best made. He's not saying wait till you get married because he wants to punish you. He's not saying wait till you get married because he wants to keep you from having good things. But he's saying, I, I want you to wait till you get married because that's how it's best. And most people will tell you, those that wait, go, yeah, that was a better way to go. Just a better way. You're not going to hell if you've done that, if you're doing that. But you're not in God's best. This is not a, love is not lust. It is a it is a beautiful act of God that God gives us that is sometimes expressed in the action of sex with our spouse. Two things love is. Love is impossible on my own. It's absolutely impossible on my own. One of the things I, I love, I get a kick out of, is when these couples that don't know Jesus ask me to read this, this passage over their marriage. And I'm like, you guys are screwed. Like, you guys are, you're, you're trying, we're, we're just going to do this. No, no, you're not rooted. You can't do this on your own. This list, you read it, you know, and if you read it with honesty, you're like, this is impossible. Who can do this? And that's actually what Paul was trying to, to get us to see. Who can do this? You can't do it on your own. Why? Because love is a person. Love has a name. And he never fails. Jesus, here's one of the greatest things you can say. Jesus is the list. Think about that. First John, says, God is love. Jesus does, just doesn't do love. He is love. He's the embodiment of love. And we're connected to Jesus. When we abide in Jesus, we experience his love, and then we show his love. It, one who's abiding in Christ cannot not love because you've been connected to the source of love. And if you don't love, then you don't know love. If you're not walking in love, you're not connected to love. When you're connected to love, the source of love, Jesus, you will love. It's not something you have to work up. It's something you decide to do because you're rooted in the one who is love. Let me, let me read this passage to you again. 
This is so beautiful. Just, just be fair. Close your eyes. And if you're, if you're here today and you're feeling beat up, you're feeling beaten down, you're wondering if God loves you, this is who Jesus is. Jesus is this list. Jesus is patient with you and me. Jesus is kind to me and you. Jesus doesn't envy. He doesn't need us and what we have. He wants us. Jesus doesn't boast. Jesus isn't proud. Jesus doesn't dishonor others. Jesus is not self-seeking. Jesus is not easily angered. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Jesus keeps no record of wrongs. Whatever you did yesterday, he's forgotten it. As far as the east is from the west, Jesus does not delight in evil, but rejoices with truth. Jesus always protects. Jesus always trusts. Jesus always hopes. Jesus always perseveres. Jesus never fails. And the greatest of these is Jesus. Can I get an amen on that? Man, I need Jesus. We can't work it up on our own. And God has called us to love him, be loved by him, and abide in his love. There's nothing more profound than this. I, was, uh, I don't know if you guys believe in the prophetic, but we believe in that God still speaks. We believe it's the birthright of all God's kids to hear their dad's voice. And I hope you practice learning how to tap into Jesus as the source and by his spirit hear his voice. It's the greatest privilege we get. But I was, I was a new believer, and I started going to this church, and I was not raised to think about hearing God's voice. And I'll never forget, I went to this church. It was in Chicago where I grew up. And the pastor finishes um, the worship, and he stands up and says, uh, Bob over here tells me he has a word. I'm like, a word? And that was new to this. I'm like, what do you mean a word? Like, and he gets it with, I have a word from the Lord. He looked white. I have a word from the Lord. And I'm like, a word? And I'm like, got it, pulling a stone out of my bag. If you're wrong, I'm going to stone you, man. You're dead. Like, you better, like, word. Okay, but get ready. I'm a vineyardite now. We go crazy now. We don't handle snakes, but, you know, we're kind of... And he says, the word of the Lord is this, you are loved. And I'm like, seriously? That's your word. Like, like, well, I got a word, grace, Jesus saves. I'm like, and I'm like mocking this word, like that's your word. And I'm kind of mocking, Jesus is loved. Jesus, he loves me. And I start to sob. That word was for me. And the whole audience looking at me going, why is this kid crying? I'm like, he loves me. Because I, I, I couldn't believe, because of my past, why would God love me? I was so busy trying to work it up, earn it, gain it. And the Lord said, you cannot gain this. You cannot earn this. Just receive my love. And I've been addicted to it ever since. And we keep forgetting that. And we keep straying from that core message being rooted in the love of of the Father, when we're rooted in the love of Father, that's when we change. They will know we are Christians by our, they will know we are Christians by our, they will know we are Christians by our, they will not know we are Christians by our politics. They will not know we are Christians by our truth. Truth is great. They will not know our Christians by our theology. Theology is great. They will know we are Christians by our love. Rooted in the Father, from the Father, by the Father. 
for others. That's what this church, this church should be known as a light on a hill, a light in the city of love, rooted in the love of Jesus, rooted in giving his love away. That's, so, so how, do, how do we do that? And by the way, can I just say, I'm going to say a statement. I, I don't think culturally as a church, I don't think we have a sin problem. I think we have a love problem. I don't think we have a, a culture war problem. We have a love problem. When we're rooted in the love of the Father, gosh, when I'm rooted in love of the Father, I don't want to sin. Right? If you're meeting with a friend or a brother or sister in Christ and, and they're struggling with some sin, stop that. Stop that sin. That's really helpful. Stop struggling with, stop struggling with porn right now. Just decide not, oh, thank, thank you, because I'm craving it. Right? Stop to, whatever. But instead, say, let's focus on the love of the Father. Let's get you tapped into the love of Jesus. Let's get you, because when you're craving porn, when you're craving all these other things, you're, you're missing out on the love of the Father. You're not tasting the love of the Father. So, culturally, we're, we're in, in Matthew chapter 24, Jesus prophesies about the end days. Here's what he says. He goes, in the last days, many will fall away and hate one another. And the love of many will grow cold. The same message for 2,000 years is be tapped into the love of the Father. So how do we do that? How do we do that? This is basic. If you're sitting here going, this is what I came to church for to hear about love, it's, it's it. It's all I got. It's the most important thing I got. So how do we do that? This message series you guys are in right now. Community, you got to be in small groups, discipleship, relationship, connected. you got to be people that serve. When you serve, you connect into the love of the Father. You experience the gener- generosity and, and love of the Father, and you serve others. That generosity, when you give away what you've been given, you grow. And then doing this, showing up here, if you think, by the way, a lot of times people say, do I have to go to church? No, you don't have to go to church. You, have to, you don't have to go to a gathering to be a committed Christian. But you miss out when you don't. When you're connected, when you bring friends and you come here and sit, Hopefully you're engaged. Hopefully you connect with worship. But this is not, by the way, this is not, when you come, don't come like this, like feed me. Come with a participation mentality. Come with what can I bring to give to the body. Your, your, your presence here is important, not for me to go yep, 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 but for you to receive and turn with each other and engage with what God is doing in you, through you, to others. You're supposed to come here and be empowered, inspired, engaged, to then go to your small group, then to go to your workplace, then go to your schools, then go to wherever you go, empowered to be and bring the kingdom of God wherever you go. You, you, don't, you don't need this. I mean, like, like the last right. Blessing Sunday morning, you could rather, rather sleep in, right? But you, you need this so that you're filled up to go pour out. That's why we do this. It's not so you can hear Chris and Rob and your other communicators. They're great, but it's not for us to just yap at you. It's for us to be connected as a body. So it's so, it's so important that we keep doing this. And culturally, we've, we've lost more than a third of the church, just tapped out. Since COVID, just tapped out. And, and the reason why they tapped out is because they were never tapped in. They were just kind of attenders. But we want to be people that are so engaged with the Father and with each other that we change our world. So I encourage you, just don't do, start, stop here, be in discipleship, be engaged. If you're not meeting with someone one-on-one to talk about your relationship with Jesus, do so. Or in groups, make it happen. And the generosity, man, when you live like this, is the overflow of the Father's love for you. You say, it's all his. It's all his, so I give it all back. It's all his. And you will grow 
you'll change because love is the thing. Walking in the power of his love, it's the thing. I want to go back to that young woman. So I tap her on the shoulder, why don't you love me? And I was brand new to this whole spiritual thing. Would the band come out? I need the band to come out. I need a little music behind me so I sound more spiritual. You know, when you're telling a story, it's a little music. It sounds more spiritual. Kumbaya, my Lord. And I know I'm not supposed to ask you how I'm doing on time, but I think I'm doing it good on time. Rob, I crush you, man. You're bad on time. I'm way better on time. Oh, give me some music. Where did that magically appear? So I'm, I, I, I pick her up off the floor. Turns out she was a little sister of a visiting. It was a little Sibs weekend. And I began to walk her back to her sorority across campus. We we're walking in silence, and she's now sobered up a little bit. I said, how you doing? She goes, I just feel so stupid. I feel so ugly. I feel so worthless. All these words. And I said, why didn't you want to have sex with me? Am I not lovable? She didn't use the exact words, but she, she, she was saying, I said, oh, no. It's because you are so lovable. It's because you matter so much is why I didn't. You, you deserve more. And I was new at the whole spiritual thing, and, and, and I didn't know what to say. And I said, can I, can I share something with you? She said, sure. She said, you deserve to be loved by the only one who gives true love. Jesus lived, died, rose again to set you free from the shackles of this world and, and to give you hope and meaning and purpose in life. And I just started spewing forth. I didn't even, I was new at this. I, I didn't know what to say. I wasn't trained. I just started saying, Jesus, all I kept saying was Jesus loves you. He loves you. He loves me. I can't believe how much, and he just wants you to know his love. Don't sell your love short. We got to the sorority house, and I said, I, I'm new at this. I just gave my life to Christ a few weeks ago. Could I introduce you to Jesus? Do you want to pray to receive Christ? She said, yes. First person I ever prayed for. She gave her life to Christ. And I, I became addicted to the love of the Father. I became addicted to seeing people's lives change. And I left her thinking I'd never see her again. She was going to be a freshman in college. It was five, six years later, I was speaking at Indiana University at a Campus Crusade event. And this young, young woman walks up to me. He goes, I'm a senior in college. You're the guy that picked me off the floor. You picked me up off the floor. I'm engaged to a youth pastor. I love Jesus. And I know Jesus loves me. Thank you. That's addicting. That's what it's all about. That's why we're here. To live, to walk in, to sit in, to abide in, and spread the love of Jesus wherever we go. That's why we're here. Would you stand? If you're here today, just close your eyes with me, would you? If you're here today and you've never put your faith in Jesus and want to do so today, you can do that right now in the quietness of your own heart. Your statement is simple. Jesus, I'm sinful, I'm broken. I don't say that in a shame way, just say it in a true way. I'm sinful and I'm broken and I need your love. Would you... I admit my need for you. Would you fill me now with your Holy Spirit? And if you're here and you've been a Christian a while or a short time or a long time, just say, Jesus, I'm more, 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 more love, more love. I want to just be enraptured by your love, enraptured by your grace, more. 
more. We worship you, Father. We have prayer teams. I think there are prayer teams up here. Come get prayer. Come take communion to remember the love of the Father for you. Just sit with the Father. Let's worship.